Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of To Say the Least. I am particularly very excited to be coming at you today because I am recording in a podcast studio. I am really, really grateful and excited to say that I am recording at the Lower East Side's very own P&T Knitwear. They have this amazing podcast studio fit with NPR-grade microphones, and I feel so grateful that the podcast has transitioned into a studio. It will not be here every single time, but when I'm able to get studio time, you can catch me at PT Knitwear in the Lower East Side in New York City. It's been rather hectic for me lately, not gonna lie. I think I'm in one of the most dramatic periods of my life. I feel like every time I, you know, start a new episode, there's some sort of transitional period happening to me. And maybe this is just what your mid to late 20s are all about. You know, I'm still kind of getting used to all the transitions of everything. But I am currently dealing with the transitional period of moving. I've had the most roller coaster experience apartment hunting Maybe known to mankind, I would love to hear your dramatic stories about apartment hunting. If you have anything, please send them my way. But to start off, I'll just give you a high-level overview of the pain and suffering that I have experienced over the past few months. It's been a few months of the horrors of apartment hunting. Uh, So to start off, I had the inkling to want to live alone this next year of my life. You know, I just felt like I had turned 27. I had been living in New York for a few years. I've always had roommates. I'm going to give living alone a whirl. And New York, if you haven't heard, is the most expensive city in the entire country. So being that I'm not a millionaire or an investment banker or a sugar baby, I have had to deal with the parameters of what I'm willing to spend to live alone while also keeping the lifestyle that I currently have or not living in a way that I'm necessarily going to be suffering a great deal and, you know, still be able to enjoy this amazing city that I love so much. So after, you know, going over what my budget was going to be, I partook on the apartment hunting journey. I had a What started off as a really great opportunity, a friend of a friend of mine had an apartment in a neighborhood I wasn't really as familiar with, but it had been known to be a neighborhood that had a lot of families and was very safe. She had lived in this apartment for a couple years and had a very beautiful, big one bedroom set up in this neighborhood. And in February, you know, it's April when I'm, when I'm recording this in February, I was going to go meet her, go look at the apartment and see what it was all about. I went and saw the apartment and thought it was gorgeous. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, gorgeous is, um, (laughs) it could mean different things depending on who you ask, uh, especially in a city like New York City, there's a spectrum, of course, but it had everything I needed and she seemed very happy with it. And it started to get a little bit dicey when I started asking like, oh, like, how do you like your landlord? How do you like your super? And the landlord and the super are the same person. If if something needed to be fixed, the landlord would come. It was a small, very small um, 
apartment complex, only three units. And turned out she had never had him ever come to do anything. And she said that she didn't think he would come even if he, if she asked, which I remember thinking, hmm, interesting. I don't really know. I don't really know about that. But she said she had a good experience with the place and such is life. I then decided, you know what? It's a good price. I'm going to apply. And the landlord really drug his feet. I hope that's, is that a word? Drug? (laughs) Dragged his feet? The landlord really dragged his feet in getting the information I needed to apply to the apartment on time. And eventually it connected me to a broker and the broker like didn't want to answer any of my questions. And I asked to look at the lease before I signed it. And she said, um, like, you know, to be able, I asked her to send me the lease via email before I had to come in person to sign it. And she asked me why and was like, it's just a standard lease. What's the big deal? And, you know, that left a bad taste in my mouth as well. Finally, long story short, a couple months go by and they wanted me to sign it by April 1st. I have to move, mind you, by May 15th. So that is less than a month away from the time this is hitting your ears. What will happen to me? Who knows? But I, um, I was really wanting to settle everything and, you know, they just kept changing the day on me to go sign this lease. And part of me started thinking that maybe this was fate. Maybe this was, maybe there was a reason that this kept dragging on. And a few days before I was going to go sign the lease, I decided to Google the landlord. And turns out he was involved in a sexual harassment lawsuit less than a couple years ago. And considering I was going to be living alone for the first time, I decided that this all along was my intuition, you know, never mess with a woman's intuition, to not live there and to start all over again. So then began my grassroots effort to find myself an apartment. I decided to not move forward with that aforementioned apartment on a Wednesday night. And by Thursday morning, I had five apartment viewings ready to go. And boy, did I learn a lot in that day. I saw apartments of all shapes and sizes all over town. I really should have bought one of those passes on the subway that makes every subway ride cheaper because I went up to the Upper East Side, down to Greenwich Village, over to Brooklyn, all in a day. And I learned a lot of things in that singular day. I didn't see any apartments that I would ever consider living in, but I learned what was necessarily important to me. Did I want to have a full-size fridge? For those of you who don't live in New York, yep, that's something that is actually pretty normal in New York. You don't always get a full-size fridge. You might not even get a oven or a stove. And I deemed all of those things important to me. I even looked at an apartment near Central Park in an area called Lincoln Square that seemed promising, but when I asked someone who lived there if they liked it, I kid you not, they looked at me and said, I have been praying for the day that someone asks me this question so I can tell them not to live here. They started talking about how the basement where the laundry was had rodents and their water never works and the elevator never works and that she has been counting the seconds to not live there anymore. And shout out to her because honestly, I was very grateful for that. I may have liked the apartment otherwise. However, I also discovered that in sometimes apartments in these really big buildings have something called a fire door. Obviously, some of you might know that fire escapes are a huge thing in New York and people romanticize sitting on them. But when you're in a taller building, you can't have a fire escape. So they have doors 
that literally lead to the outside. And they aren't even locked. They just go outside. So I decided that that was not for me. Flash forward a few days of this, I was getting very nervous. I was starting to freak out about the cost of everything and wasn't really sure why I was even doing it anymore. And when you think about the fact that you might live alone until you live with a partner that doesn't even exist, it's amazing what you will get yourself to pivot into. So that was last week, and I'm now sitting here with you attempting to find an apartment with a couple of friends of mine. So stay tuned there. I am hoping that we end up finding something. We all have the same timeline, and I am really optimistic that things will work out, although very frightened. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a few days of us looking, the three of us, and we've had our own challenges to navigate across the New York City broker and real estate community. But, you know, what if it all works out? That's the phrase that I have been telling myself constantly, and it's been a complete game changer for me, because what if it all works out? What if whatever is happening to me now, even though it's the most excruciating and painful experience that I've had in a very long time, what if wherever I end up living is going to provide me with some sort of experience that I wouldn't have had had I not lived there? What if I had to say no to all these other different apartments that almost could have been so that I could end up where I was supposed to be or meeting someone I was supposed to meet or whatever it may be. And I hope that resonates with a lot of you because that mindset has really been transformative for me. Also, another thing that has been very helpful, shout out to my dad, because, you know, there's nothing like a parent that, um, every once in a while does say something to you that really resonates. And I have been so grateful to have the ability to call my mom and dad during this whole experience to either just vent to them, kind of run something by them and just see like what they think, because it can be a very alienating experience looking for an apartment on the other side of a country where you know your family is. And, and it's definitely not fun, but something that my dad said to me that was truly, truly so helpful is few decisions in life are going to be a hundred percent bad. They just are going to have different consequences that you have to be prepared to deal with. So for example, I toured an apartment last week alone before I decided to live with friends and it had everything I needed. It had, it was a great building. I talked to a tenant who loved living there. It had an elevator. It had laundry in the basement. It had a dishwasher. It had a great kitchen and it had a great bathroom, but the apartment itself was so fucking small. It was the width of a full bed. And that is, that is accurate. It literally could have only fit a bed across from wall to wall. And I could have applied to live there. I could have tried to make that work, but I wasn't prepared for the consequences of coming home to an apartment that was literally a shoebox. I now know what people say when people say New York apartments are shoeboxes, because that literally was. And I decided that I wasn't prepared to live with those consequences. Instead, I was prepared to live with the consequences of whatever it's going to be with completely abandoning my idea of living alone and deciding to try looking with a couple of friends of mine. And while it has been a few days, and like I said, we've had a lot of challenges, I'm ready to continue to see what that's going to bring. And 
there are no rules to this thing. I can continue to change my mind. We, we all can. Who knows what's going to continue to happen? But I do know that it's going to settle and work out one way or another. This week's story is about something that I personally went through that I'm sure a lot of you listening will be able to resonate with. I did tease the person that the story centers on in the last episode. I called them Scott. And over the past few months, I had a lot of hopes for Scott. But now I've come to this realization based on some of the behaviors that he exhibited recently. I've come to the decision that this is not going to probably, most likely, be anything serious in my life. Now, I want to start off by saying that I don't think Scott is a bad person. I just think he is not the person for me. And why I said that this is a decision that I'm making for myself is this isn't a situation where somebody made the decision for me and decided that he wasn't interested in me anymore and that's why we're not going to do anything. More so, he behaved in a way that does not meet expectations that I have for anybody that I am potentially going to date or spend time with in a more romantic mindset. You know, I say that because I'm currently in a stage in my life where I do want something more serious. And I don't know if he doesn't, but he definitely doesn't want it with me. And this is a lead up to the title of this podcast. It's giving breadcrumbing and I need a baguette. And for those of you who have never heard of the term breadcrumbing, it is a modern day dating term defined by the New York Times as when somebody consistently checks in with a romantic prospect, dangling the possibility of a date and keeps them interested, but never follows through with what they want, a relationship. And this can take fruition in different forms. So people can text you here and there. People can respond to an Instagram story. People can say, oh, we should go do this Friday or, oh, you know, it's been so long. We got to catch up or something. Or they won't reply to your text messages right away, but they will eventually. So that obviously indicates that they're interested, right? Wrong. This is the story of a man who is a man, like 30 years old, <laughs> who, uh, you know, kind of strung me along for a few months and gave me just enough to keep interested, all to do nothing with it. Let's go back in time a little bit. A few months ago, I met Scott in a situation that I wasn't really expecting to meet anybody in. Me and Scott don't actually live in the same city. And at the time of meeting him, I didn't really necessarily think that was a big deal because this is a city that I go to often. And I was just excited to have met somebody that was potentially someone that I would want to continue to get to know. Because I think the fact that I travel pretty often and I am highly communicative with friends, family, loved ones, anybody, you know, I base things on that fact alone. You know, I 
know that if someone's important to me or someone that I want to continue to get to know, where they're located isn't exactly a factor in the in the like amount of interaction that we're going to have, whether that be over the phone or FaceTime, whatever, like it's not going to come in the way of the connection that I think can be there. But I do realize that that's not the case for everybody. Sometimes people only consume themselves with what's immediately around them. And that's all well and good, but I do think it is your individual responsibility to communicate to whoever you're you know, potentially interested in what you are looking for and what your expectations are, because then that helps them decide how they want to proceed as well. Where breadcrumbing can be a little complicated is they're not ghosting you. They're not giving you nothing. They're giving you something. And you grasp onto that and try to rationalize the fact that they must like you if they're not ignoring you. But I digress. We go back to Scott. Me and Scott, when I first met Scott, I have never felt like someone was more blatantly into me than the day that I met Scott. He was laying it on thick. Like it was irrefutable that he wasn't into me. And the things he was saying were so unlike anything I've ever experienced before. I think it was so, it was so jarring for me to be around somebody that was being so like forthright and wanting to get to know me and asking for my number and immediately asking to hang out. And there was this energy that it was like, oh, well, you know, I, I liked that he liked me so much. <laughs> and I, you know, that could sound shallow, but it's like, it was, it it was so, it, it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. And he's very attractive and he was very good at communicating with me what he thought about me, called me beautiful and, you know, was texting me and asked me to hang out like the first chance that I was available. And I did, I did really like that. And I think where, where I mentioned in a previous episode is when you're connecting with someone right away and you're getting along really well and you have a lot of shared interests, you can mistake that for intimacy right away. Like, oh, we must, like, this must be, this must mean so much. But I do also feel that we as humans assign meaning to situations. I met him in a way that I wasn't really expecting. I'm not going to be very specific because at the chance he does listen to this, I don't want to blow up his spot. But I met him in a way that I wasn't really expecting. And I assigned meaning to that run-in as as maybe, maybe even fate. Like, I don't really believe that things are fated exactly. But I do believe in like, you know whatever we do indicates, okay, maybe I believe in fate. Maybe this is me realizing that I believe in fate. But what I don't believe in is everything happening for a reason. I don't think everything happens for a reason, but I do believe in fate. And I can talk about that later, maybe the nuances of it, but but I guess I do believe in fate. So I thought this was a fated meeting of sorts. And he asked me on a date and the date was filled with things that I love. It was a very intimate date. And I got really excited by it because it wasn't like anything I was really expecting to get into. And 
we had a great time. And then something about me walking away from that first date, there was a complete energy shift. He was laying it on so thick before that it was irrefutable that he didn't like me. Like it was, it was obvious. But then after the first date, after, you know, I returned the interest, he started pulling back a little bit. I just noticed that he wasn't being as forthright. And that gave me this feeling of, oh my God, what happened? What did I do to make him act like this? But let me tell you something, people. I didn't do anything. I think what we really have to get ourselves on board with in the whole dating world nowadays is that oftentimes, if not all of the time, it's not you, it's them. That's literally the name of a previous episode that I made. A lot of times in the preliminary days of dating, you're not part of the problem. They are just showing who they are and what they are wanting or inversely what they're not wanting. The way his energy shifted, he was indicating to me that he wasn't really trying to nourish whatever was going on with us. And none of that's to say don't take accountability when you do realize you've done something wrong. But my whole point of this is that when you're first dating someone, they don't know you, you don't know them. When they have an energy shift and are treating you differently than they did before, try to remove yourself away from the what did I do and and put it back on them. You know, they're responsible for their own behavior. Now, a few weeks went by. I went back to New York and we were still keeping in touch. Like when he thought of me, he sent me something. And when I thought of him, I sent him something. And that happened for quite a little while. And that is something that I tend to do no matter who you are. If you're in my life, if I think of you, if I see something that reminds me of you or a song that I think you'll like, whatever it may be, I will more often than not send it to you. But this whole experience has actually made me reevaluate my own behaviors because while I do love that about myself, I am trying to be more thoughtful in realizing who actually deserves that quality of mine. <laughs> With him, I was still kind of playing myself of, of how not seriously he took me. And at least with the way he was making me feel, you know, for all I know, he was just seeing me as something that was convenient at the time and didn't necessarily not like me, but wasn't really going to deal with it versus I was looking at this as a potential, as a potential for something. And I don't want you to over-evaluate your own behavior too much because that's when it can become gamey, but do try to be intentional with what you're trying to get out of something when you're just checking in on someone, something reminded you of them and you want to send it to them. Well, are they really deserving of this kind of behavior? Just stop and try to think about that first. But don't get it twisted, people. I was getting breadcrumbed and I did not realize it at the time. After a few months of this texting back and forth, I was going to be back in the city that Scott lives in. So I thought it would be a good idea to let him know, and I asked if he was going to be free a specific day. And he essentially texted me that he can't make decisions, he can't make plans ahead of time, and that he can only, with his really hectic schedule, make decisions day of or the day before at the earliest. And he didn't even comment on the fact that I was like alluding to being in town. He 
he didn't care, or at least he didn't make me feel like he cared. And it was implying that our relationship or whatever was going on with us was only meant to be convenient. And a breadcrumber will be a breadcrumber. He said something that alluded to him not giving a shit about me being in town. And then I replied, okay, well, I'm going to be in town. So we'll see what you have time for, essentially. And then he replied to me with all this stuff and like, you know, sent me something else that he was doing that day and was like, oh, like this, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he gave me a little bit about what he was doing that day and was acting like he wanted to share it with me. So then you just trick yourself into thinking they they give a shit about you. But he literally was telling me that he didn't because he could have said, oh, you know, I've been had a really busy schedule, but let's like tentatively plan something. And then if, if I have to work late, I'll let you know. Like I would have respected that a lot more, but that's not what he said. That's not what he was trying to do. And I guarantee that if he actually cared about me, he would have said something more like that. However, as much as I want to say that my next course of action was to ignore his existence and never reach out again. I'm only human and I did not do that. And I'm a very forgiving person. I tend to give people maybe one or two more chances than they actually deserve. So I went to the town that Scott lives in and I waited to see if they would reach out to me because I had already let them know that I was going to be in town crickets, heard nothing. And then I thought I would give one more Hail Mary pass and ask if they were free that day. Look, I had a few days left in town and I wanted to follow directions. They only said they could make last minute decisions. So I said, okay, hey, are you free later today? And they replied a couple hours later saying that they were going out of town. So this told me a couple of things. One, Scott was able to he is capable of making plans because he was leaving town. That that takes some thought. But he and, and he just didn't want to make any plans with me. And as much as he was, you know, communicating with me over the past few months and stuff, you have to take someone from their actions, not just from what they're saying. Like, are they actually following through? And an example of this is he seemed to feel really bad that he wasn't going to be able to see me that day because he was leaving town. And he asked me how much longer I was going to be in town for. And not only did I tell him exactly when I was leaving, he didn't reply for three days. He replied like the day before I was going to leave. And he didn't even comment on the fact of like when I let him know how many more days I was going to be there. He just replied with where he was going because I asked where he was going and he completely disregarded how long I was going to be in town for. I just feel like if someone really cared to spend time with somebody that is barely in town, they would have tried to make something work. You, you would have been a little bit more communicative about it. We would have figured it out, but not a breadcrumber. A breadcrumber will give you an inch and take a mile. I never replied. And something I like to say is, you know, men, they always come back or their lives get worse. Because a few days later, he apologized for not being able to see me this time around and to let him know when I'm back. And here's the thing. I literally already let him know when I was coming back. I'm not going to do that again. 
you know, like at the end of the day, if you take a couple things away from this episode, know your worth, figure out what you want and stick to it. Because when you identify what you want and then you constantly pull back away from it, you're just going to ensure yourself disappointment. With Scott, as much as I like had gotten excited when I first met him and like about our shared interests and stuff, my non-negotiables for friendships, relationships, whatever, is accountability, you know, sticking to actually something that you're gonna do, and communication and care. Like those are my non-negotiables. Like he wasn't being accountable for anything he was telling me. He wasn't he wasn't showing me that he cared about me and he wasn't communicating anything that he actually felt. So in summary of the story, it was giving breadcrumbing and I personally identified for myself that I deserve a baguette hot out the oven with French butter and a really delicious jam. Like I want the whole thing and I'm not okay with the little breadcrumbs along the way. I'm not saying Scott's a bad guy. Scott might only be interested in something that's highly convenient and casual. But let's say even if I was into something casual, casual should at least be easy at the minimum. And this wasn't easy anymore. It, It was me just doing the most and him giving me nothing. But my whole point of this, you know, I've had a lot of points with this. But as I said before, I just identified that this wasn't enough for me. And I don't even deal with this in friendships. Like I said, I need accountability with anybody in my life. And this just wasn't giving it to me. So moving forward, you know, if Scott never listens to this, and Scott's still talking to me, like Scott's still sending me messages and stuff. And I'm replying when I feel like it. But that's just the way this I was going to say the cookie crumbles, but that's the way this bread is crumbling. Okay, that was horrible, but (laughs) you get what I'm saying there. And with that, that wraps up another episode of To Say the Least. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to send me a story of your own. You can email your story, a voice recording, or write up at saytheleastpodcast at gmail.com and also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at to say the least podcast. A couple more plugs for the podcast, a couple more new plugs. We are in a very exciting phase of To Say the Least where we are now accepting support from listeners. If you have any extra money to blow, if you're a really rich person or just really like what you hear and want to invest in the podcast, I would be very, very grateful. You can find more information in the link in the description of the podcast itself, as well as any of the episodes, including this one. And one last plug, if you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend, post it on Instagram, whatever, make a TikTok about it, anything. Um, Anything really helps. We are trying to hit a certain number for listenership in order to get more ads on the podcast. So I would be forever grateful for you. And if you have any stories that you would like to send over, as a reminder, this story can be about just about anything. You know, to say the least is a phrase that conveniently already exists to minimize a more serious situation, something that felt so much worse at the time. But when you look back at it, What lessons have you learned from it? What actually wasn't as bad as it felt in the moment? You know, that could be, it could be about a date. It could be about a friendship. I would love to do an upcoming episode about the nuances of friendship. You know, so if any stories that you have been wanting to share, this could be the right venue for it. So please feel free to send that to me. And if you're not really sure what stories you 
would like to share, but you're thinking about a few, feel free to DM me on Instagram, send me an email and we can discuss and we can figure it out together. And if Scott, like Scott, if you're listening to this and you're like, this is bullshit, this isn't how it went. So Scott, I'm pretty sure if you're listening, you know, this is about you. I'm going to challenge you to send me a story of your own. Wouldn't that be fun? I feel like that would be fun because that would just show, you know, how every side has a story of their own. And also a thank you again to PNT Knitwear in the Lower East Side of Manhattan for allowing me to share this amazing podcast space for today's episode. I look forward to recording more episodes here in the future. If you are interested to learn if you're eligible to record a podcast of your own at PNT Knitwear, you can visit their website at ptknitwear.com. That's P-T-K-N-I-T-W-E-A-R.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I look forward to having you back next time. But in the meantime, take care.